Welcome, everybody, to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. And uh, Larry, episode six, we're going to take a look at uh, Cleveland State and some history to be made today. Our first ever guest on the podcast, Associate Head Coach Jack Owens, will join us later here in the show. Just questioning, why do we open by saying episode six? Are we hoping that someday we'll go like, this is episode 256? Absolutely. <laughs> At some point, they're going to go on the website and be able to chronicle all the hundreds and hundreds of podcast shows. Okay. And maybe we'll be able to sell a box set around the holidays in two or three years Two or three years from now. The old box set. But quickly want to look back at the uh, Cleveland State game, which was uh, the previous game to this taping. And uh, Cleveland State came into Mackey. We came away se- a winner, 77-53. to 53, And a game, I think Cleveland State's a team that's going to, they're going to give some people some problems down the stretch here. Uh, this season I think they'll pr- uh, play pretty well and finish near the top of their league they certainly had some good players and good scores but it was good to see a lot of people talked about this being a trap game sandwiched between the Arizona State game and the Notre Dame da- game down in the crossroads and I think for the most part the Boilermakers answered the challenge and avoided any um, and, and avoided a tough game here in Mackey and put uh, put the Vikings away pretty easily well what I th- thought about it you know I'm not a big fan of what they call trap games I don't know where that I don't know who is the father of that term because I think if you if you like to play you're ready to play regardless but having said that I did think that that game was a trap game (laughs) (laughs) and I'll tell you why because uh, way to contradict yourself yes exactly which I'm well known for the um, first you know, you're going into finals week, which I've never been able to figure out. The game before finals week in my career has been problematic at times. You can't you can't really, you know, circle it and say this is the reason. Never have been able to figure that out. But but those games are are tough to negotiate. And secondly, we played so well in New York that uh, it would be easy for a player to say, hey, you know. We were pretty good the other day, and we're not playing the same caliber of team. And Yeah, I think that's human nature. The guys, you know, you, I don't want to say you, it's impossible to get up the same for each opponent you play. Game it in is, and game absolutely. Out. And that's part of the challenge that falls to the, you know, Coach Painter and his staff of getting these guys up each game. And, and saying that, and not to interrupt you, but to, to, to say that, the, the thing is, is that in today's basketball environment compared to, say, like 25 years ago, there were a lot of games you didn't have to get up for that you definitely were going to win. It's not so much that way anymore because if you're not ready to play against a lot of these opponents, there is some real good motivation by them to do well, and they and they are. They, and you also have to understand, we play a lot of teams that have played nothing but road games in November and December. They're not scared. So they're not, they're not yeah. scared, and they're used to it. I've been, they've been out there. Well, it used to be when we would start the non-conference, I would always go to the scores – from around the country, and I would find two or three big upsets, and, and we'd give those Coach Painter, and he would remind the team, hey, now look, so-and-so got beat by this team, right. so-and-so got beat by this team. Nowadays, when you do that, you come away with 20 games. I mean, it happens. There's two or three games a night where a team, a Power 5 team, is bringing a team into their building and getting beat on occasion. So uh, very frequent that that happens now in, com- in comparison to years ago, but good to see Purdue take care of business. The hot shooting continued. Um, and uh, again, uh, the, the victory over Cleveland State, 77 to 53. 
So now we're going to bring in associate head coach Jack Owens, our first ever guest on the Purdue Basketball Podcast. And uh, J.O., we're going to, I'm going to call you J.O. because that's what I call you every day here in the office. But I do think we have to say he's the first person that we've approached that we didn't have to have an agent or some kind of payment involved. Yeah, very kind for very kind for, for J.O. to do this today. Because we, we really went after Beyonce when we were in New York. And we, we failed at the first phone call. It's, it's truly an honor to, to, to be the first guest. Well, history's being made, so uh, we're, we try to have fun on this uh, podcast. I'm sure you've listened to them all, so you know exactly what we talk about on this exactly. uh, on this program. But uh, a little bit about your background, for those that don't know, you're an Indianapolis native, went to Washington High School, and uh, and then went on to play uh, college ball. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, uh, my first year out of high school, I played at Murray State as a freshman, um, then transferred to Howard Junior College. And then finished my career up at Eastern Illinois, where Coach Painter recruited me from Howard. Um, that's where the, our relationship started there. I played for him. He was assistant coach under Coach Samuels. Uh, but Coach and I have uh, been, been in touch with each other ever since. Now, t- tell the story, because you've told us this story before. When you, you were a point guard, and when Coach Painter was an assistant coach, and you guys were running sprints, what was the line he used on you? Which, which one? There's, there's can't, lead, can't lead from the back? Oh, yeah, um, and you know, as and a as, a, as Jack, a point guard, you you gotta understand. Uh, there's 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 you know there's requirements, uh, uh, I guess. But no, he he just told me uh, I couldn't lead from the back, and I what I, what I did, I used to win all the the sprints. But when it came to distance, I struggled. But I will make my time. But he's screaming at me uh, from a you know from a distance. <laughs> We didn't bring you here, and you can't lead from the back. But that—that—that—that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's a true story. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. I've, we've heard him say that since then too. That's a—he that, <laughs> said that. That's a guy's in this Purdue roster. But talk a little about. So, Coach Painter recruits you uh, from Howard Junior College to uh, Charleston, Illinois, to play at Eastern Illinois, and then uh, Coach Samuels at the time, the head coach at Eastern Illinois. You stay on and join his staff. Is that correct, or did you go somewhere else first? Well, after leaving coach, um, I finished up. I was a student assistant uh, my fifth year there, uh, finishing up school. Then after that, I, I went to junior college route. And it was actually a blessing in disguise where I was able to meet a lot of different people and recruit a lot of different people and get to know a lot of different AU uh, people as well. But I went to um, Howard, uh, where I played at for a year, and then went to uh, Barton County in Kansas. Then I went back to Coach Samuels. It, it seemed like I always went back uh, to someone in, in someone of the coaching tree that I played for or, or been associated with in some form or fashion. And then after Coach Coach um, leaving Coach Samuels, Coach Prander get the job. Um, and when Coach Weber decides to go to Illinois, I was I believe one of the first uh, people that Coach called and uh, to come join his staff at Southern Illinois. And it was definitely um, uh, a step up. And you know, going into it. I told Coach Samuels I wasn't looking to go anywhere, but, um, you know, when Coach Painter called, Coach understood that, hey, uh, I know we talked about at least being at a place for two years before trying to move on, and he understood it was definitely a great opportunity and, and to be with Coach Painter. And talk a little about, I mean, in this business, and, I, and like most businesses, it's it's really the old cliche, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But in, especially in coaching, and I don't care what sport it is, I don't care what level it is, if it's high school, college, professional, it really comes down to, 
to your contacts and who you know in the business. And as you just referenced, kind of going through your uh, your route, um, you know, having that connection and hearing a, a you know a guy who re- recruits you, Coach Painter, ends Correct. up you know bringing you up, but also a guy you played for then gives you a job. So it really that's what it's all about in this business and, and most businesses for that matter. It has a lot to do with it. Uh, you hear stories about guys who are joining uh, different families or, or coaching trees or whatnot. Uh, but for, for my sake, it has been that. Uh, Coach Samuels um, brought me back. Coach uh, Tommy Collins brought me back from junior college. Uh, just being around people that you know. But like we tell our guys here, you have to conduct yourself a certain way here. Uh, obviously, if I didn't take care of business when, when I was a player or things like that, I'm pretty sure Coach Painter wouldn't when it came calling. Uh, so it's important that you handle your business uh, when you're, you know, going through school and things like that. Not saying things are not going to come about because we're, we were all student athletes at, at one point, but um, coach was always someone that, that, you know, that, that, that I could relate to and we always got along. So, yeah. Well, and one thing that, uh, that I, as you talk about that, I think about our current roster and the guys we've had here since coach painter has been uh, here at Purdue and, you look up and down those rosters, and we've talked about it before. Which guys do you think could be coaches one day? And obviously, not every not everybody's cut out to be a coach. Not everybody wants to be a coach. But uh, how early did you know when you were playing? Did you know when you were playing that that's the route you wanted to go when your playing career would, would be over? Well, I knew I wasn't an NBA player, and it's funny you, you you talk about that because I had an opportunity to go to Germany right out of college, and I called Coach Painter. He's like. Uh, J.O., it's over. Yeah, go. <laughs> go. And if you know Coach, he's straight to the point. And, you know, he's he shot me right between the eyes, and he was right. Uh, it, was, it was the best thing for me to go ahead and, and, and get right into coaching. And, and I always knew I wanted to be around the game. Uh, you know, I always knew I, in some capacity I wanted to be around the game, and I knew I wanted to coach if I couldn't play. Uh, and, and we have guys on our team now that way, um, uh, you know, P.J. and Dakota, I know they want to coach it, uh, you know, on certain levels. Uh, we, we we talked about that, but you know, as a player, you know, you you know, you got you got to be somewhat ate up with this because it's not just a nine to five job. You got to be willing to uh, put the time in, um, you know, at any time of the day, and and I enjoy it. So no, no, I knew early on that I definitely want to be a coach. As a kid, I decided that there was going to be two things: I was either going to be a coach, or I was going to be a broadcaster. And this was in 1965, when everything was equal, including money. (laughs) And I I made the decision that uh, broadcasting would be better because somewhere along the line I'd make a heck of a lot more money. And uh, if I got to a certain level... Oh, you nailed another one, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Whoops! Hmm. Well, you've certainly done all right for yourself and... No, I, would, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. But I'm not I sure if you would have went to coaching, you'd be a Hall of Famer like you are exactly, now. Exactly, exactly, or a legend. Exactly. So, so you, I think you made the right decision. I think Coach Owens made the right decision not to go to Germany. I've played noon ball with him. I know, <laughs> I know his limitations on the basketball no, court. No question. Well, uh, Cliz, you're you're still undefeated, though. You know mm, that's a good thing about. Mm, it. That is a great call. That's the that's the famous line John Gruden said when he went to the booth in Monday Night Football. He said. He walks by the visiting locker room after every game, or the losing locker room after every game, so he can see what those guys go through. And I think you could speak to this. I mean, when when we lose games around here, I mean, it is complete misery. And whether it's on the flight home, the bus ride home, or the next day walking into this office, 
uh, you walk in the office and it is absolutely no fun. And hey, you can't me, play a game soon enough. Let me give you a little antidote. I found that out last week when I spent too much time talking to the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> and that came after a loss. So, yes, um, you, you there's a certain protocol. And, uh, you know, I've been part of it for 40 years. I've been around two guys that uh, haven't enjoyed losing, including one for 25 years who I would say was almost a bad loser, and that would be Coach Katie. And, uh, yeah, and the thing I loved about that man was if we beat Sexton, uh, uh, you know, by one point, or we beat uh, or we beat uh, University of Tampa by one point, that guy would be ecstatic. If we played the number one team in the country and lost by one, Oh, it was his unacceptable. Life, yeah, his life was ruined. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know, so. Yeah, it was very black and white with Coach K. It sure was. Talk about a little bit, just for some background for the people listening. Uh, the way we structure, um, the way Coach Painter has this structured here with the assistants, everybody recruits. Um, you guys kind of divide up the scouting reports and how we attack a team. You kind of handle the defensive end of the floor. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, just that kind of that concept and and what you you know at the time you put in I think the one thing people don't realize and uh, coach tries to tell our players this all the time the amount of time that the assistants spend scouting the teams we're going to play and for example our upcoming schedule we play Notre Dame on a Saturday we turn around and play Western Illinois on a Monday and Norfolk State on a Wednesday so in a short amount of days, you're talking about three games. Yeah, really dumb schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Who would do that? So, so, <laughs> so talk a little bit about the challenges of that. And I mean, I, I know you enjoy that part because it is fun to break a team down and find out how you're going to try to stop them. But also, too, the rigors of it. Yeah, no question. It is, it's challenging, but it's also exciting. Well, I covered the defense, um, so basically every scout defense assignment I have to uh, break down film and, and go over uh, and coach G coach Greg Gary he does the offense and Brandon Brentley does the personnel um, and, and that's that's great uh, but the one thing is that it, there's no night off from film uh, there's there's nights we're here uh, a lot of times people probably think we're up here clowning joking having fun and that's part of it as well but but we spend a lot of time watching film um, what I'm doing more of now is taking film home with my daughter's uh, see my computer with me everywhere I go now. Uh, just whenever I can squeeze an hour or two uh, to break something down, I'll do it. Uh, but it's it's good. It's definitely rewarding uh, when when you can uh, go over a scouting report and the guys follow the game plan and, and and they execute and you win a game. And then on the flip side, like you guys are mentioning, uh, when you lose that game, it's like the end of the world. Uh, but then you you come down. Um, to reality the next morning. Uh, I think uh, you, you texted to me one night. Uh, things are not as good as they seem, and they're not as bad as they seem. And, and sometimes you have to uh, keep that in perspective and understand um, that it's, it's, it could be peaks and valleys in the season. But to get back to the scouting report, it's, it's, it, is a, it is a challenging thing from how much film that we watch because it's take – Notre Dame, for instance, we watched every game they played this year. Uh, we will we will continue to break that down. The good thing about this is that we have a week uh, to prepare in between finals and practice and things like that. So that's good. We should know everything that they're doing outside of their practices, that they're going to add some things. But um, from a defensive standpoint, we take pride in, in putting our guys in position to win uh, and knowing what's, what's going to 
uh, happen from their tendencies to what um, guys do from an individual standpoint. Coach Brandon Brantley will have their tendencies down, uh, and I will have every play that they run, um, you know, how they start a game after timeouts, what they run after halftime, uh, what they like to do at the end of the shot clock. Uh, just anything to give our guys an advantage is what we try to do and put them in a position to be successful. I think a question that all uh, audience members would probably enjoy hearing uh, answered, uh, Jack, would be this. You guys uh, are never, you never slight getting prepared for an opponent. And I've always wondered, how do you take what you see and what you teach and get the player and players come in all different kinds uh, right. in terms of mental skills and uh, attention skills. And they're just like anybody else. How do you get that across to them that they this is important stuff and what we're showing you? Because you know I'm I'm in the background and yet I'm I'm with you guys all the time. So I see everything that you do and I sit in a room and I watch film and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think I'm halfway intelligent. How can I, and I played, you know, how can I remember all this stuff? And, right. you know, where does it come and how does it impact a game? Right. Uh, that's a good question. The, the one thing that we do, uh, we, we have defensive principles. Uh, there are certain things that we do that are non-negotiables, um, you know, from a defensive standpoint that we try to cover um, early on when, when guys first get here. But then there's new signs, there's things that goes on, um, you know, that teams may run that we have to go over and guard it a certain way. And that's where the game planning come in, where we have to uh, think it through what's best for the mass, what's best for each and every guy and how they how they go about it. Now, there are also times where, you know, let's take Rayfield Davis, for instance. Uh, there's a way that a screening action is being ran. I will go to him and say, hey, you get there the best way you can, but you got to be there on the catch. And that's that trust that, that's there. Obviously, with Robbie Hummel and guys like that, uh, you could do that with. But just relaying the same message and being consistent each and every night uh, is what we try to do. Now, things do change. Uh, but for the most part, we try to rely on our defensive principles and things like that and then put a game plan together to take away the, the you know, the offensive teams. And one more question that I have, and it's another one that I, I'm sure the audience would be interested in knowing about, because I am as, as a broadcaster. We'll go and uh, we'll analyze every player on that team, and everybody has a, a number, or an, everyone has a strength. Everyone has, you know, something he isn't good at. And you guys as coaches have to put that together and decide, okay, Number thirty-three. If he gets a clean shot, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let him go. Right. And uh, and then when the game starts, and we had that game. What was the game that we had? Oh, it was Louisville. Was the game that we had that was stunning because they had four guys come off the bench and they were twelve out of twelve shooting. Yeah, correct. And there's no way you can plan for that, correct. Jack. Right. No question. Well, there. It's based off percentages as sure. well. Uh, you know, when you when you have data where they're starting five, let's say two out of three guys, they don't shoot threes, or they shoot probably one three a game, 
and 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 they end up making that one three. And I and I'm probably guilty as charged, but you can't lose your mind when that when he makes that three. And I think uh, that's what we've been able to uh, relate to our guys is that hey, we're going to play the percentages, and if they're they're going to shoot lights out like that, you're not going to win anyway. Uh, but at the end of the day, our game plan is usually pretty on tack, and and obviously you're going to play against good players, and uh, there's certain guys that you can play good D on, they're still going to make the shot, and you got to live with that, but. Them making a shot has got to be in what we discuss. So if they're making a shot over us and we're contesting that shot and they, they still make it, we live with those. And if we decide, hey, we're going to guard a play a certain way and they pitch it back to their center who's who's shooting um, you know 19% from three and he makes it, we're going to live with that as well. So uh, there's certain things that we're going we're gonna to decide as a staff and we're going to live with things. Uh, and our guys believe in what we say. Uh, I, I truly believe that. And they, they try to carry out our assignments because they know we're trying to put them in, 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 you know, in, in position to win the game. It's a great thing to see, like Dakota Mathias, every day, um, you know, I can, or uh, every game, he send me a text or uh, he, he wants the plays uh, off my card. I have a card that I write out all the plays on and, 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 and or whatnot, and he's always wanting before the game. And, 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 and I, I appreciate that when, I, when a guy is hungry like that. Um, uh, first of all, I know he cares. Uh, but he also is building that trust with us where we know we can count on this guy. And you, you've seen the growth in him as a player. Uh, but our guys do believe in what we're saying, and they're, you know, they're carrying out their assignments. Talk about that. You, you just referenced the, the balance that you guys have to go through, and it, it's, it happens a lot live on the bench. Let's say a guy hits a three or scores you know, in some way, shape, or form. Our first reaction on the bench a lot is, you know, hands in the air and we're looking at each other and we're getting mad, you know, <laughs> we're, get, we're getting worked up. And part of that is because everybody on that team, from coaches to players, everybody, they need, to, they need that sense of it's not okay to let your man score. So you need that sense. But at the same time, there's going to be nights if you're playing, if you're lining up and playing against Villanova and Josh Hart, yeah, dude. puts one in your face. Yeah, sometimes there's no shame in that. Right. So it's sometimes there's a balancing act there because you want them, you know, you don't want to ever say it's okay for a guy to score, but yet at the same time, you want to be able to let them know that hey, don't get too down on yourself for giving one up to Josh right. Hart here. You're not the only guy that's going to get scored upon. And talk about that. Just the oh. sometimes player, and I don't want to say our guys are fragile, but because they, they aren't, but at the end of the day, they are kids. Right. There, there's a balancing act. You're, you're right about that. What, what I tell the guys on my end is that, hey, those count. You know what I mean? And that means if they make a tough shot and you're doing what we're saying or what, what we're trying to uh, execute there and they make it, um, we live with that. Uh, but if if you do your own thing and he makes it, <laughs> that's when we, we lose our mind a little bit. And that's funny you say that before um, uh, before a game, I go into Coach Payne and I just said, hey, hey, hey Coach, we, you know, we can't freak out at this certain guy if he makes this <laughs> shot. And he, he looks up at me, he said, you're talking to yourself, basically. You know what I mean? It, it, but, I, but it was a deal where, I, you know, you, I had to say it and, you know, to probably I was talking to myself. But, no, there, there are certain things you got to live with. But if our guys are in position and, and we're big on team defense and if you're jumping to the ball, um, you're staying tight when you're supposed to stay tight or if you're whipping a screen when you're supposed to whip, uh, if you're blocking a guy out, and um, you know, and they still get it in some way, if somehow, um, then then we live with certain things in the grand scheme of things. If you're if you're doing what we say, if you're trying to carry out your assignment, we're big on telling the guys to do your job. 
you know, if you do your job um, and, and because we tell them, hey, uh, your best is good enough. And if they still make a play uh, over you um, and we have a game plan in place, then we live with that and, and then we move on. When I was a young man uh, playing JV ball in high school, they put me on the bench for the tournament game. And we were playing against a team where they had a their leading scorer was just just ripping up our team. I mean, he had everything. So the coach looks down and he says, Hey Clisby, come up here. He said, Do you think you can guard that guy? Now understand at that time and even when I was a good player and a senior, I couldn't guard a rock. But he goes, You think you can stop that guy? And of course, yeah, I can stop him. Watch me. And I trotted out there, you know, in my tight shorts my glasses <laughs> guy gets the ball first time doo doop shoots about 20 foot or nothing but net <laughs> I go down the court never touch the ball come back down the court guarding the same guy gets the ball two dribbles shot nothing but net and the horn sounds <laughs> I'm out and that's it that was that was my first tournament experience but and that, did that but, crush you Oh, no, I, I crushed me for about three minutes, but quite obvious I didn't have the skill to handle this guy. And there's guys that we go against. And sometimes now, hey, how about that kid from, who was it? Was it NJIT or was it yeah. the one? Yeah, Lynn, yeah. Yeah, and that guy, I mean, he just kept pushing himself out further. Right. And, you know, by the time he's done, he's shooting it from 28 feet and he's making them. What well, do you do? Well, talk about that. When you, you watch now, when you scout a, an opponent, you're going to watch – five six depending on how much tape is available five six seven games at least on an opponent when you're playing a, a team without a name like an njit would be a perfect example Correct. they have a really 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 good player now you can walk into a room i don't care if it's a room of diehard purdue fans if you walked into a diehard purdue fan group and said tomorrow night now you got to watch out for this kid njit i'm telling you they're a pretty good team and they got a pretty good player they're going to look at you and say, uh-huh, okay, Owens, that's coach speak. They won't believe you. So talk about the challenge of convincing our guys. Now, they're going to watch some film, obviously, so they're going to see it firsthand. But still, in the back of their minds, they have a hard time believing that, don't they? At, at times. That, that is a challenge. Uh, but but when you tell a, or you, what we tell the guys is, is that we'll go back and read their, their bios and things like that and uh, with a guy – who sticks out like he does. He's all conference. He's their all time leading scorer in school history. Um, those things should resonate because there's good players everywhere. And, and obviously, uh, with the Little Rock game and things like that, you, you understand that the, that guys can play uh, for whatever different reasons. They go to lower levels, and um, but but they're good players. And it only take a, a, a you know one player to have a great night to keep them in the game, and and so on. So. We we do talk about things like that, that how good a um, uh, you know a guy from NJIT can be, and also their success. Uh, you know they went to uh, Michigan and beat them on the road, and things like that. Obviously, help um, um, uh, present our case when we're talking to our guys about how good uh, a team from a lower level can be. Uh, but the human side of it, uh, you know, uh, yeah. is a factor as well because then you know, like Cleveland State, we talked about their guards, and we end up beating them by you know, X amount of points. And, you know, you can't go into each game saying, hey, this guy here is that good. Uh, but but when they are that good, you have to be able to to get that across. And uh, like Lynn, he, he was able to carry them in the second half a little bit where he's making 
uh, threes out to the NBA range. So it's important for them to know and understand you have to respect your opponent each and every night. And getting that message across can be difficult at times. Um, if, if, if they haven't won a game or things like that, uh, you know, our guys are intelligent guys and they, they go to synergy and they read things on online and they see the team is, you know, three and six or two and seven or whatnot, uh, you know, the human nature side set in, but it's important for them to respect each and every opponent that we go against. It, it helped too in an NGIT game when you referenced the Michigan game a few years ago. We had a guy on that team in the film room with Spike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spike was able to say that uh, I think he said he was the best guard they, one of the best guards they faced all year, and that would include their Big Ten schedule. Well, people don't really uh, consider the numbers. I mean, you know, you're taking average team is taking four kids a year. Four, three to four kids a year so in our league you know you're you know you're talking about 50 or 60 guys and then you just then take it over the power five conferences and then before you know you got 350 division one basketball playing schools but you have millions playing in high school yeah. I mean millions yeah. and there's such a need or a want to have certain players scouted and then directed in one direction, and they have to do this or they have to do that. And and obviously, there's going to be a lot of guys fall through the cracks. There's a lot of guys that can play, and there's a lot of people been told they can't play that can play. Well, think about how many people, you people that go to high schools. Well, I went to high school with this guy. He was really good. Where he end up playing? Oh, he didn't play anywhere. <laughs> but he was really good. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And he never made it, whether that be D1, D2, well, we D3. It, well, we do it now when it comes to the NBA. I mean, we all talk about it. Guys that go through our league are guys that we play against. That's hey, where did where did this guy yeah. go? Where's he now? And we're all clicking on rosters, and we might find somebody at the end of the bench somewhere, but most of them aren't there. And most of them aren't playing, so you're sitting there saying, "Whoa, what happened? You know, what happened to yeah. that guy? Well, what happened to this guy?" He's over in Latvia on a yeah, roster exactly. over there. Yeah, exactly. Happens all the time. They're playing professionally, but they're not playing in the NBA. Yeah, That's a good call. Talk about uh, when you when these guys get to Purdue. Talk. What is something that fans would be uh, surprised at um, when they get here? What you guys have to work on sometimes, because I think that fans sometimes think that they come and they're a delivered product and there you know there's a lot of development that happens at this level and uh, and I think that's one thing we pride ourselves in on is that this program develops players to get better but what is it whether it's an individual skill or trade or a team concept or something what are, what's one thing that every year it seems like when kids come here we have to really work on it with them well well first of all there's an adjustment period um, uh, with, with the speed of the game uh, let's use Carson Edwards, for example. He's one of the fastest guys that we have brought in as a true freshman. Uh, but there's an adjustment period uh, with, with every guy that come in. It, it could be for whatever, um, all kind of different reasons, you know, um, from a skill standpoint, uh, because a lot of guards don't play with uh, real big guys. So they're not used to throwing the ball inside. So from a standpoint of being able to feed the post is, is, is you know, you think is – uh, skill that a lot of people come with, and they they're not used to that because they don't play with a big guy on a normally basis that demands the basketball in a high school setting. 
but but there's there's a lot of things that's factored in. Um, man, man, there's there's a lot. Uh, you know, you you bring a kid here, um, you know, that, that hasn't been away from home for the first time. You're dealing with homesickness. You're dealing with, uh, you know, and they, and they travel a lot with AU basketball. But it's not the same when you come here and you're here for four straight weeks, and um, you know you have a demand where you have to go to class. You're you're working out, uh, you know, once or twice a day, and uh, you know you, you're just not in your familiar setting with being at home. Uh, but every kid, uh, you know, they 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 get they they adjust differently uh, to a certain extent, and um, you know the game here. Uh, you know, you're not the best player on your team anymore. Probably if you're coming into a, a high level like this, where right, right. you have guys who are established that have been in the program, um, you know, two or three years that that understand our terminology, that understands everything that we're asking. And that's not saying the the, the guy isn't good enough. It's just that he hasn't been around it. He doesn't have the experience. Uh, to carry out his assignment. So, um, but there's a lot to go in it. But I would say just the pace of the game, uh, uh, guys are not familiar with. And I, I was out in Dallas recruiting, and I went by um, and saw AJ one day. And that's a, that's funny that we're talking about this. The first thing he said, because it was an opportunity to block a shot, and he, he tells me, he said after the game, he said, Coach, I said, well, AJ, why didn't you block that shot? He said, Coach, I'm 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 getting adjusted to the uh, the speed of the game, and and to hear that from him. And it's different. It's obviously a higher level, but, you know, you're bringing a high school kid here. Uh, he's adjusting as well. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up things here with associate head coach Jack Owens. Uh, Jay, we're going to close with the final four, a uh, series of four questions here. So first, uh, last last good book you've read. Mm. There's a lot. I'm a, I'm a big um, – Tony Dungy fan, but uh, Grit. It was a good book. Uh, it was a it was a great book. Actually, our strength coach gave it gave it to me. It was a it was a great great read. Okay, uh, music. When you're rolling into work or watching film, what what music you listening to? It varies. I'm a, a big gospel guy, but also R and B. So it could be uh, going back from e- either one of those two. Okay, one profession other than coaching. If you could do anything else. What profession would that be? Um, uh, I joke a lot. Uh, and here in the office, I tell them, I say, man, I could be at the water company right now with one of my boys. But uh, uh, no, I, um, that you might know, be a first. I, if, if that was your official answer, we could it, do another thousand of these. I'm not sure anybody no, else would say the water no, company. I was going to teach a route. Um, if I didn't get into coaching, I was going to be a teacher. So that would definitely be it. What class would you, what subject would you have taught? I was a health guy, health and. <laughs> the old gym teacher. Health. Coaching up got, the dodgeball, yeah, yeah. health and PE. Yeah, okay. gotcha. Okay, and then finally, what is one thing that we do not know about Jack Owens? Now, this is going to be tough because we've known each other a while now. Well, you know, but uh, a lot of people don't know. I'm, I'm the youngest of ten. There's five mm. girls and five boys in our well, family. And I didn't know that. I've known I'm, you for a long time. Yeah, I'm the youngest of ten. You're I, always the last to know, usually in those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> He's just nodding. <laughs> wow big surprise there Clez. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh jo thanks for joining us and uh that was uh, associate head coach jack owens our first ever guest on the purdue basketball podcast um all right thanks everybody for listening and until next time be curious be informed and be well <laughs>